0: And welcome to this second episode of the Global Growth Strategist podcast. My name is Simon Haig, and I'm delighted to be joined again by my, my co host, Henry Wang. Henry, how are you? Good morning. Very well. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Simon. That's a fantastic introduction, and it's good to be here together with Jeff and Ivan. And uh, overcoming COVID has incurred unprecedented human and economic costs globally. Unlike other economic crises, which have been caused by financial or market issues, the current crisis is a global health pandemic with serious economic downsides. Experts have warned that this isn't just a temporary hiccup but a serious wake up call for something more serious. There are some countries pushing for fast recovery and return to business as usual with some quick fixes. However, there are many strong drive from various global leaders to build back better with sustainable improvements. And a good example is the recent call by the United Nations World Economic Forum and the G20, B20, on building back better post-COVID with international collaborations.
0: Thank you, Henry. And so geopolitically, this crisis has, from a medical research perspective at least, underlined the value of the huge value of global collaboration. We're witnessing the development and adaptation of life-saving technologies and massive research into treatments, We're experiencing, perhaps not seen before, certainly at least the 1980s AIDS crisis, the sharing of scientific journals, genome sequencing data, and clinical trials, bringing together thousands of scientists, medics, companies, and researchers globally. To facilitate greater global collaboration and understanding, Henry and I are conducting a series of global podcasts with distinguished international thought leaders from both the East and the West. These thought leaders will be discussing key topical issues, including healthcare, youth, innovation, climate change, media, leadership, and more. We hope that these open exchanges of views and international, from international thought leaders from both the West and the East should help foster greater international understanding and cooperation. We're delighted that all episodes will be featured on all leading podcast channels, YouTube, social media, and more.
1: Thank you, Simon. I'd like to welcome Dr. Ivan Matel, who's a very good friend of mine, and he's very distinguished globally. Ivan, it is wonderful that you have been awarded the title of Senior Partner Emeritus in the Boston Consulting Group, which is a world famous consulting organization. The audience and our listener will be very interested in an overview of your distinguished career
2: Ivan okay thank you very much uh, yes I joined BCG the London office back in 1987 then uh, I, I developed a career in BCG and for the last 15 years I was uh, playing uh, different roles in the energy practice first as uh, European leader, then as global leader, and finally as vice chairman energy for BCG. And uh, developed also a lot of international uh, partnerships with institutions like the International Energy Forum, World Petroleum Council, International Gas Union, Energy Access Platform, and, and many others. No? Uh, finally, in December 2018, uh, I retired from BCG and was uh, appointed Senior Partner Emeritus. And now I'm Mm -hmm. developing a portfolio of activities as a board member in different energy companies or advisory board in two technical centers uh, here in the Basque Country, and also the advisory board of uh, some uh, funds investing in energy transition.
1: Thank you, that's very impressive. And and I'm sure you've been really active in in retirement and really well done and congratulations on being appointed as the chairman of the Augusto Basque Institute of Competitiveness, which is very famous. Maybe you can share with us some of your key activities.
2: Yes, this is uh, something I am really proud of being uh, appointed chairman of of, the orchestra we are an institute that we are probably worldwide leaders in uh, sustainable regional competitiveness. And our goal is to generate knowledge about uh, how the different regions can become more competitive from a social, economic, and environmental point of view, and increase the well-being of the society as a result. In, within Orchestra, we have uh, five uh, labs. Uh, one on public policy institutions, another one on enterprise, another one on digital economy, another one on well-being and finally one in uh, energy. Uh, and we have uh, partnerships with uh, organizations like uh, OCDE, the European Union, and we have uh, something that is very interesting is the barometer of the regional competitiveness of the different regions across uh, Europe. Uh, uh, there is also a business case from uh, Harvard Business School that describes the impact of orchestra in the competitiveness of the bus country. Wow, um, that's really impressive.
1: So from where you're sitting, how do you see technology institutions globally seizing the initiative for change through international collaborations,
2: especially yes. post-COVID? Yeah, I think that's a very relevant topic. I think there are two trends. The first one is that innovation is becoming global in the sense that uh, the innovation centers used to be in Europe or in the US, and now they are moving east. Now we have a lot of uh, technology developments across Asia, China, Southeast Asia, and the different places. And the second thing is that innovation is moving more and more toward an innovation based on ecosystems. So in that uh, context, uh, that implies a very, or a more important role of the the international collaboration between technology centers, allowing the tech institutions to team across the uh, the globe and co-innovating. I think the world is becoming more and more multipolar and tech institutions should lead that evolution.
0: Wow. Thanks, Ivan. That was, that was fascinating. And uh, next up, we have Jeff Caselden, who uh, is a good friend of mine. Uh, we, we work together here in Ireland. Jeff is co-founder and principal at Caselden Consulting. He's a director at Aspire Consulting Group and also former general manager head of Amazon here in Ireland. Welcome, Jeff. It's good to see you again. <laughs> Thanks
3: for uh, inviting me. Happy to join you all today.
0: You're welcome. And so, Simon, Ivan, maybe if you can just start off by giving us a a brief overview of you, your career, and what you'd concentrate on today.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, As as you said, Simon, I'm the co-founder with with my partner of Castleman Consulting. We're a a Dublin-based consultancy that's uh, small but mighty is the way we like to think of ourselves. Uh, We work with some of uh, Europe's leading startups. Uh, And some of the smallest ones dealing with companies that are facing really rapid growth trajectories like we did at Amazon Uh, The the primary focus of our work is usually around coaching executives and emerging leaders uh, and leading organizational transformation projects um, That are generally geared towards helping to create uh, more sustainable holistic humanistic organizations Um, prior to that yeah, I spent about 18 years with Amazon. I joined that company back in 1999, not really having any idea what I was getting myself into at the time. Uh, it was a fantastic place to, to grow and to develop a, a huge array of skills. Um, I was lucky enough during the last few years that I was there to to lead the Dublin Development Center here in Ireland uh, and led that through about a 5x growth over about three years. Um, so it's it's been fun to see what happens with uh, a company that thinks a little bit differently looks operates on a different kind of time scale than a lot of other places as well and and to see what kind of uh, things you can take out of that and bring into other organizations um, besides that I'm originally from the US and I've been here in Dublin for twelve years now so Ireland is home at this point absolutely and Ireland's not a ba- not a bad place right now to call home in, in the world
0: and so and <laughs> I know that you are personally and I see your post regularly you're very passionate about the world doing the right thing and, and people doing the right thing. and So what draws you personally to making positive global change?
3: It's really quite simple. We, we all live on this planet together. Um, it's the only home that we've ever known despite our ambitions to, to reach beyond the stars. And, and nothing that we do really exists in isolation. Um, Everything that we buy, that we consume, like it comes from somewhere. There's a value chain that's stretching far beyond what most of us can see. And the reality is, is that we live in a really interconnected ecosystem. Um, So those actions that we take, the choices that we make, they all have a collective impact on us as a species and and us and and our planet. Um, So just as like the negative things that I do, which sadly there are still a few, uh, will eventually have some sort of impact on me. I view it as so too, with well, the positive things. So I see this as a, an effort in the collective good, though I suppose there's a there's a personal stake in it for us all, which is you know a healthier, happier, more uh, more thriving kind of place where we live as a as a society.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is a tiny rock with seven and a half billion people on it, and. W- Sooner or later, we're going to need to get on. (laughs) And so the next question that I have then, Jeff, is more specific to tech, because obviously that's the subject of this. How do you see tech companies around the world seizing the initiative for change through collaboration?
3: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, you know, I liked what Ivan mentioned about you know globalization of the space and and uh, a lot of efforts becoming a little bit more eco- ecosystem focused, uh, co-innovating in this multipolarity or this multipolar world. Um, I, I see it maybe from a slightly different angle, um, though. I think all of that stuff is still hugely important. I see companies in this realm many of them are averse to the traditional kinds of structures and approaches to how we run organizations traditionally. Um, I think that there's a, there's certainly a tendency within some companies to create a much more collaborative, uh, co-creative type of environment with really high levels of, levels of engagement that really help tap into that talent, those smarts, those ideas that, that exist within this place. Um, it's less of the hierarchical command control Type of structure that a lot of organizations have been built upon for, for decades. And I think there's also a little bit of a tendency towards some of these organizations becoming more agile in terms of how they operate. So they're more practice at making quick changes, quick decisions, um, and engaging their people in that decision-making process. Um, and I think COVID in a lot of ways has really re- has forced a lot of us to really rethink um, how we use technology as a, a to collaborate across across distance, and even like how we think about our our workday. You know, um, there's there's a there's a strong notion that I I've been thinking about lately of this idea of like individualized kind of work that we do and collaborative work that we that we do. And the collaborative work, it it makes sense for us to come together and work through mediums like we are here. Um, for the independent work, there's a lot of stuff that if you know we do that. Uh, when it makes sense for us, when we're at our peak, maybe that's a better kind of paradigm than what we're used to. Um, so I think that there's a lot of things kind of happening right now that uh, that are pushing companies and how we work, and organizations in general, mm-hmm. towards perhaps a, a much more productive sort of cycle than one that we've just kind of fallen into uh, thinking that the old way of doing things will carry on into the new.
0: Exactly. No, thanks. Thanks. Thanks very much, Jeff.
1: Yeah, and that's a very meaningful answer. And and Ivan, (laughs) looking ahead, what what are your top two to three priorities for technological-led changes going forward? And and what is the reason you see that these these are important?
2: I think there are two main priorities. And I think that COVID-19 has accelerated the need for implementing them. The first priority is the transition to a much more sustainable environment and sustainable economy. And that means that we need to develop new technologies in cleaner power generation, in cleaner mobility, beyond electrical vehicle. I mean, there are other options to decarbonize mobility. And something that I believe is extremely important is energy efficiency. Uh, but also there are issues related with sustainable agriculture and food, and also circular economy. So that's the first bucket of a really high priority for tech-led changes. The second one is everything related with biosciences. I mean, how to improve the health of the individuals and having a much more responsive uh, ecosystem to address all the issues we have in terms of health and that means medical appliances, biomedicine and other sorts of uh, research uh, activities.
1: Mm, that's very meaningful, thank you.
0: No, it's profound. And, uh, so, so back to you Jeff, how do you see tech companies uh, globally moving past the win-lose mindset towards one hopefully of some collective prosperity?
3: Well, that's a <laughs> that's a big that's a big question and uh, and a really profound one in the world that we're faced with today. I, I, there's there's something in Ivan's answer that really resonates with me, and that's um, this notion of uh, thinking differently about economics. Uh, I personally see that one of the things that we have to do to move past this mindset is unhinge everything from profit as the sole motive. Um, and I hope that COVID is a wake-up call for a lot of us. You know, Financial motivations alone are, are often quite foolish. Um, we've, we've gotten here into where we're at in the pandemic today because we thought that the costs outweighed the risks of being prepared for a situation like this. Whether, whereas if we had spent this money to invest in protection, like what would have that meant for us right now? What would we be looking at instead of what we're looking at now? Um, so where would we be if we'd made these, these tough choices long ago uh, towards preparation for something that we knew was inevitable? Um, and I, I think some of this requires a bit of a mindset shift towards understanding that like collective prosperity means recognizing uh, that companies should exist more than create to, to do more than create just shareholder value alone. Like our products and services that we generate as as companies should should add value to people's lives in a way that isn't exploitative or damaging to our ecosystem. And that people who do that within your organization are more than just human resources. Like, you know, we often talk about what's good for the company but really that should be at the end of the day, like what's good for your people, because they're the ones that are actually pushing your company forward. Without them, you don't have an organization. Um, and I think we have to continue pushing the, the boundaries on how we think of organizations. And as I said, economics, like, you know, tech has the, has the world's ear right now and it's pocketbook. Like if you look at the stock market, there are five companies that essentially represent about 20% of the stock market value in the United States. Um, that means we have power and we have a voice as those types of organizations. And I think there's a, there's a mandate on us to not be satisfied with these archaic models that no longer serve us particularly well. So collective ownership, paying equitable salaries, like uh, Dan Price of, Glo- of Gravity Payments, who decided uh, this is a small Seattle-based uh, company, everyone in the company gets $70,000 a year for their salary. Why, why should, why should uh, he get 10 times what they do when they work just as hard to contribute to where that company's going? And these are, of course, like very difficult fundamental shifts in thinking that we need courageous, courageous champions to continue blazing a, a, a path forward for all of us towards what's possible. But I think that's where a lot of it uh, begins and ends. If we continue to operate in that model, thinking that infinite growth in a closed system is the only way that you know, we achieve success or we get to something better, uh, we're fundamentally like missing uh, the reality of the environment in which we operate.
0: Well, wow, that's a strong answer. And you mentioned courage, courageous champions. I think Henry and I are passionate about, I would use the word, we're trying to be provocative. We're trying to be provocateurs in this series and get people to think differently about dynamics going forward. So, Jeff, that was a wonderful answer. Thanks. My
3: pleasure. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, yes,
1: I agree totally with Simon. And uh, Ivan, finally, how do you see various tech organizations in the East and West? being able to collaborate better going forward, because that's obviously very
2: important for global recovery post-COVID.
3: Good.
2: Now, if I combine a little bit what I said in the two previous questions, I think one of the main priorities of the global right now is to reduce emissions. But we're in a situation where, on the one hand, Asia needs responsible growth, they need to grow, but in a responsive way. And uh, Africa, I mean, probably is a little bit more basic, is going from darkness to light, because we need to give access to energy to many citizens in the, in the world. But the problem is that emerging countries do not have the technology, nor the funds to address the issue appropriately. So I think, that West and its collaboration should be focused on how to transfer and implement the technologies to reduce CO2 emissions in countries where it is more needed, in the countries that will really make the difference, no? So, I don't know whether we could create a scheme like uh, an Erasmus program where we bring researchers from those emerging countries to uh, research uh, hubs in other places of the world, like uh, China or US or, or, or Europe, and we create a network of research and technological centers that support institutes in the developing countries in order to godfather them and put them uh, the, or um, help them to go the extra mile or to go uh, in a new dimension. No? But clearly, I mean, reducing emissions requires collaboration between West and East and we need to help technologically those uh, institutions in the emerging countries. That's a very important suggestion. Thank you.
0: Thanks Ivan. So finally, Jeff, what do you think would be two or three priorities or should be two or three priorities for tech, technological led change in the world going forward and why?
3: Yeah, I think... Um... I think the two things in my mind are that we we have to be able to develop greater long-term thinking and greater holistic thinking as well. Um, And for the first, like we have to to think of the knock-on implications of the things that we create. And obviously we said we weren't going to talk about politics today and and I will stay away from that, but but Facebook is a primary example of this. It's a tool that was built with the, the vision to connect us all, but in many ways is potentially arguably undermining the fabric of democracy. Um, This is one of the big things that we often don't think of as builders of innovators creating these things is how might they be used in other ways or what might be happening that we aren't always necessarily aware of. Um, But we've gotta be aware of these kinds of things, especially from from a financial point of view as well and think longer term, like how many companies are in a bind right now because they've been operating by the skin of their teeth for so many years and not planning ahead and having contingencies in place. Obviously this is a, a huge one to have a contingency for, but, um, but I think the, the point is made. Um, and I think when I talk about holistic thinking, I'm, you know, I guess where I'm kind of getting at there is like really being able to engage and lift your people up as well. I mean, this is not only in terms of like horizontal growth in terms of like their skills and their performance, but vertically in terms of like their perspective, uh, how they see the world, um, how values are used to drive recognition within the organization, how input comes from all levels uh, and peoples within the company, um, and really operating from that holistic perspective um, and understanding that what they do not only has an impact on their company but also on the community and that world ecosystem in which they operate. Um, that's those are in my mind. I think those are the the two biggest things that we've got to do a better job of of uh, getting hold of these as we move forward. Otherwise, we're just going to continue to probably trip over our feet and fall into little pits that we create for ourselves.
0: No, I agree. And uh, thanks, Jeff. And I think we need to be brave. And it's interesting, our our first podcast is with youth leaders. And and I don't think it's coincidence that the youth, the younger generation, are using social media and PR in a viral way to try and drive change. And I I had a really fascinating conference the other day, Summit, I co-hosted, around uh, balance in business and conversations about the younger generation using viral communication to drive standards around inclusion, diversity, and balance within business. And I'd never thought of it that way. So I think what for me, I think summarizing and sort of recapping our first episode is that my hope is the future generations are really going to start grabbing hold of change and and tech as well. So, So thanks very much, Jeff. That was great.
1: Well, that's some very, very important points, I think, that to share with our audience. Thank you to both Ivan and Jeff. I think this has been a wonderful chat and, and really sharing your your tech leader global views, which I think will be very, very beneficial to our viewers and listeners globally who's, who's going to be listening to this. And uh, I hope this will contribute to the recovery post-COVID globally. So thank you very much.
0: Thank you. And and I'd like to reiterate, And you know, from from Henry, my perspective, this is about really getting people to think uh, in these short soundbite podcasts. You know, we we, we feel this is a groundbreaking podcast. We're bringing the West and the East together. Um, We have some really exciting future guests, and we really hope that you, the listener or the viewer, get a chance to tune in and listen, and really appreciate and really, really listen to what's being said, and and, and look out for further posts where we'll give further details about upcoming podcasts. So, thanks very much. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Please, thanks, 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 thanks,
0: guys. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you.